Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. of the show a lot of big news today we are uh, going to discuss what's happening with the online poker world because uh basically uh the doj has stood in the way by uh, challenging that wire act ruling years ago and in the most recent one came back in january uh, in the new hampshire lottery lawsuit uh, and they uh, ruled in favor the judge ruled in favor of the new hampshire lottery and said that the wire act does only apply to sports betting so uh what that will do now is uh you know it left it open for the doj to make one more appeal and uh, they had 150 days to file it well today was the 150th day they let the time run out and they are not going to appeal which means that could open the doors joe for a lot of online poker everywhere Wow, that's finally great news, isn't it? It's tremendous. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we we just uh, wondered, you know, if we would ever get past uh, all the legal cases, and it always seems to kind of drag its way out. But uh, there's a limit on everything, and it looks like uh, you know this opens the door really uh, for online poker around the country. Of course, we just added Michigan, and now Connecticut got their. Uh, deal approved by the Department of the Interior in their deal with the uh, the Indian tribes up there. So they will be going to online poker. West Virginia is also the uh, was the fifth state, but they actually have not operated anything because their their uh, population of poker players is really too small to really probably make any kind of dent. But what this does really, Joe, and this goes back to the old Randy Casper term they brought on the show in the very beginning is liquidity. Uh, being able to share the pools with other states, and this could open the door for that. Well, my question here, Dave, is, okay, I would imagine the DOJ did not challenge it because these other states have opened it up just to their own states. We do know that Nevada and New Jersey have uh, some sort of deal because of the tournament and the WSOP that was online and everything, but does this open it up? For you know, uh, uh, party poker, uh, poker stars, uh, you know these companies no longer having to to make deals with the individual states and going back to what we used to have. Well, it, it, it they will have to make a deal with the states, but it will be to combine the pools. And there's not a lot of bl stuff blocking that now. That's the great thing. Uh, you know, the, they'll be very uh, happy to discuss it with the other states and make deals and, and put things together. And, uh, you know, obviously there's some greed factors that could uh, stand in the way of that. But there is now seven states playing legalized online poker, and they could all be playing against each other by the end of this year. Well, you know, but I... I would imagine that that was a possibility if they had decided to do that amongst themselves, no? Uh, Much like Nevada and yeah. New Jersey have done? 
Yeah, I guess they could uh, they could do it that way. I would think they try to get everybody in the same room and have meetings and come up with a, you know, uh, mutually beneficial plan to move forward with it. Uh, that's really the only way it will really take off. Yeah, well, uh, you know, <laughs> my experience, Dave, unfortunately, if that's the way it's got to work out, uh, you know, look what's happened in the state of California. You know? Right. Right. that they can't seem to get anything together. I would imagine the Seminoles would have a lot to say about that here in the state of Florida. Right. Well, that's uh, where the greed that's know. where the greed comes in, you know. You exactly. have to you have to and, give and, up a little bit to make things successful know, for everyone. California's been trying to do this, you know, for, you know, how many years now? Uh, you know, and and they just can't seem to get together between the uh, you know, the tribal nations and and the uh, local Whatever you want to call them, paramutuals, you know, the other, the other places that have casinos, they just can't seem to come up with an agreement with this. Uh, to me, this is great news because obviously that's one less hurdle that people have to go through. But unless we have something similar to what we had, you know, prior to the shutdown, uh, you know, it's great. But I just see this being mucked up. Uh, within the states themselves, how are they going to divide this pot? You yeah. know, how how are they going to handle each other's uh, you know uh, players from from different from different uh, states, uh, the different casinos that have different agreements with with uh, the different things. I, I I I don't see. It's great. Like I said, it's great news for online poker, but so much more has to be worked out and and whether the states try to sue or these like party poker and some of the other online big sites try to come back into the country without being, uh, you know, persecuted and allowing, you know, players to deposit legally. Uh, we do know that prior to all of this, remember, I think it was the state of Washington that made it illegal right, uh, right. for their citizens to play online poker. Uh, my guess is, these other poker sites are going to try to do that without having to make a compact and pay all these taxes, and uh, and the states will probably come up with laws to per, to prevent their citizens from playing this. So, again, it, to me, it's a double-edged sword. It's great that they're not challenging this, but but I don't see how you're going to get all these states or, or a large majority of them to agree to anything. They they just well, haven't been able to do it now. Yeah, well, I have a great idea. Let's bring back the Poker Players Alliance, uh, a great grassroots organization that does, their total goal was to try to bring back online poker. And after years and years of banging their head against the wall, a lot of the people dropped out. And eventually, they I guess they sold it to somebody. Uh, is, I don't know exactly who owns uh, that name right now. But you need a good group of people that is involved, uh, you know, on their board of directors, players and uh officials and and legislators and let them uh try to bring everybody together have uh, open door meetings uh for these different states to send representatives to the first thing that's going to happen i think from what i've been reading is that 
Uh, Michigan, which just came online, is just starting to get their places open. It's already talking with Pennsylvania about pursuing an opportunity to uh, commingle their pools. You know, a small state like a West Virginia, which couldn't do anything on their own, well, all of a sudden, that makes it more feasible for them to operate. You got Connecticut that just happened. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. But, of course, you have the big money pockets in the uh, Mohegan Sun and the, uh, the Foxwoods tribes. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting to see what might happen if there's some sort of organizing body. And uh, when we were unable to get much uh, traction out of that group at one time, now might be the opportunity for them to return. And whoever uh, owns that name, if that's uh, the direction they want to go, I think we could, you know, really start to unite. Uh, You always will have the problem with people being greedy about uh, their cut of the pie, but... Um, you know, this is the only way to get things going and get things started again. I think it can happen. Well, you know, and I love the fact that you're uh, <laughs> positive, a positive person as far as that's concerned. Uh, you know, because the Poker Alliance, their big thing was tackling, you know, uh, the, the the federal laws against this and and trying to get that. That doesn't seem to be the issue anymore. You know. But now, you know, it's individual states. And, again, knowing how it's worked here in the state of Florida, knowing that, you know, the state of California that had, could have had a gold mine, you know, with the amount of citizens they have there, you know, can't figure out a way between all those parties to get together to allow this to happen. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an idea, Dave. I don't know if this is allowed under the way they're the, – the laws are, are written in, in different states, but if this allows people in any state to sign up, let's say, like you just mentioned, Michigan, you know, we know that New Jersey, Pennsylvania, I think, just came on. You mentioned a few weeks ago, right, with the pokers, had it for a little while now. You know, Nevada allows us to somewhat like, like we did with party poker, that it was whatever globally, well, now, you know, nationally, hook up with, hey, I, I, I want to play the WSOP online circuit. Can I play from the state of Florida now that the DOJ, will they have those restrictions of you have to be within the, the state borders to be able to play? Now, that would be a game changer right there. Right. Yeah, no question. No question. But, you know, if you have, say, uh, say you get four states, uh, you know, you obviously have the one that you mentioned with Nevada and, and New Jersey. But say, the, uh, say four other states got their own. And, you know, provided some good competition to the uh, the pools in Nevada and uh, New Jersey. And then all of a sudden, you know, that opens the door. Well, you know, you can't beat them. Let's join them. So uh, everyone get together maybe and put together some kind of interstate online poker network and, uh, you know, move forward with really, you know, getting the excitement going. I think it's I think there's good possibilities here. You know, I yeah. I don't want to I don't want to say that there's no chance because of uh, people just want to keep the huge, you know, slices of pie. Uh, so let's see what happens. You know, this is a huge thing, though. A lot of people were just waiting to he- see what was going to happen here. If the U.S. government was going to further appeal and uh you know, this is really a big case now that this has uh, ended and that they have announced that they are not going to to fight this case. Well, and again, I don't see them fighting it due to the fact that they know that states have 
already approved it and that it's been going on in, in, in a, you know, like you mentioned, four or five, six states now. And probably in the very near future, you know, however many have it up, you know, before the legislators to uh, to try to approve this with, uh, with sports gambling. But, again, Dave, I, I hate to be the pessimist here, but I don't know. You know, the, the two big questions will be, one, how do they share the revenue? Uh, is it going to be based on, you know, uh, a percentage of how many people come from your state and all of this? And the fact that different poker sites run different casinos, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. You know, right. Uh, they, you know so, so it's not one company that's doing this, which would make it that much easier. So, well, I, you, you know, know, I'm not exactly sure the ins and outs of how, you know, they would even try to claim a certain part of the revenue. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you have your site uh, in a couple of different states and you're working together with some of the other uh, companies, I think whoever plays on your site, that's the money that you take in. And the problem was, you know, it just was, wasn't legal to, uh, to combine uh, pools and, and let players play in the same tournaments from different states. Now it will be. Now, now it's not a huge problem. Exactly. It's not going to be a huge problem. Uh, that's kind of like what I was mentioning a little while ago. Will it be legal for, let's say, you and I to be able to play you know, because if if we live in Nevada and New Jersey, yeah, it's fine. Now, what you're talking about is people in New Jersey, say Michigan, as you just mentioned, you know, want to play in a tournament. Well, you know, that's fine. They, they I'm, and a tournament-wise, I'm sure they could come up with some sort of you know percentage based on how many people from from your state are playing in in that tournament right. and come up with a revenue uh, solution there, but. You know, for the long haul, you need the cash games to right. be able to play this. And based on that alone, again, with so many different, uh, you know, poker sites that have been, you know, proven and are paying, you know, large money to get licensed in different states and each state having their own laws as to, you know, who can play and, you know, the, the, the nuances of how they want this to be run. Is that something that you think could be overcome with this, you know, with, I, with all these I do. different states? I do. And, uh, you know, I'm not smart enough to know all the ins and outs right now. I'm definitely going to want to read some analysis of this. But it really, this landmark decision just comes down today because of the end of the 150-day period uh, for the uh, U.S. government to file another appeal. Uh, for those of you who, who really don't know what, what's going on with this, the big case was the uh, New Hampshire lottery versus – William Barr uh, and Trump's DOJ. Um, basically, what they did was they were trying to get the wire, the decision of the Wire Act to apply to uh, online poker in addition to uh, online gambling and online sports betting. Uh, the, the Obama DOJ uh, under Eric Holder uh, came out with a ruling that really opened the way for the first states to open their online poker by saying that the Wire Act only applied to online sports betting. So even now, that's been kind of overturned as people, as more and more states uh, are moved to uh, operate online sports betting. But they actually, uh, in 2019, uh, tried to appeal. Uh, the First Circuit Court of Appeals decided against the Trump DOJ, 
And uh, when this ruling came out back in January, uh, you know, they, they, they ran this case back in the summer, last summer. But on January 20th, this case was finally decided. And that gave them the 150 days from Jan January 20th to go ahead and, uh, and make one more appeal to the Supreme Court. So uh, it could have actually gone. But of course, now we have a new administration, the uh, Biden DOJ. Uh, is not as uh, against it as the uh, Trump DOJ was. So uh, that opens the way. If, if, you, if you haven't been following this whole story and wondering why the New Hampshire lottery was involved in this, they just simply filed this uh, lawsuit to, um, to keep the government from uh, pre preventing them from uh, running their lottery games online. So uh, that's the story. And uh, since this is breaking today, we're going to see some – uh, articles written by people who are doing all the research and uh, interviews and that sort of thing. And I think we'll have a better idea in another week or two, you know, where this will take us. But the early indication from people who know a lot about this stuff says this can happen very quickly that, uh, you know, Pennsylvania and Michigan could be right together to uh, open up uh, commingled pools. Um, you know, since the Biden DOJ did not appeal, and, uh, you know, the, the shared liquidity that they have will lead to further expansion for other states. Well, yeah, like you mentioned here, the states that are already running it within their states, are, I would imagine they're the ones that are going to be able to hopefully come to some sort of agreement that will, you know, set the groundwork for the rest of the states that, you know, that want to eventually have their, you know, their state government approve it however this is going to work out whether it's going to come back like it was before where it's a national thing and you know individual states have to make it illegal like washington did like i mentioned earlier um it is definitely positive news dave uh, yeah. but as we both know when it when it involves different governments different bodies that have different interests uh this will probably take a little bit longer for the collective states to, you know, to get this to the point where we used to have this before. Uh, the, right, you know, that, right. Well, uh, it may never Black be that. Friday or whatever it was, the April 15th yeah, when that exactly. came down. Well, it'll, it may never be that good as things were back then. I think we took it for granted at that time. But uh, and I understand your skepticism is certainly. Um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but uh, you make these little steps along the way and things move forward. And I think uh, something good could happen. Right. And, and again, um, I, I hope to God I am very wrong on this and that you are 100 percent correct on this. It's just, you know, my my experience of dealing with the state of Florida, uh, you know, you know, as you know, what we're going through here now, especially since it's controlled so much with the uh, Seminole uh, Indians and, and the compact and everything else, uh, I can only imagine how other well states are going to be with this. But again, uh, even though I'm a little pessimistic on, on how quickly this will happen, I really hope because I used to enjoy playing so much and I don't know how much you played back then, Dave. You've talked about that you didn't have very much money online no, when everything no. closed down. And I believe I had just about $100. I think I had $100 and a few pennies in there and, uh, you know, never filed for it. But, 
it was just so much fun playing online like that. And and as you said, our old friend Randy Casper used to use that word, liquidity. Uh, we got a quick education as to what that meant. And uh, obviously, you know, for poker players all over the this country and the world, it'd be wonderful if the U.S. got back into that market. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, all I know is there's a bunch of stories on Poker Fuse that I've been following uh, that, that said three weeks ago they came out with a story. Uh, there's a really interesting article on there that says 2021 is already the most significant year in the history of regulated U.S. online poker, even though we're only halfway through the year. Seismic changes in the industry they talk about. So uh, Michigan going live, BetMGM uh, getting into the game, uh, the launch of uh, Borgata Poker and BetMGM Poker in Pennsylvania. Uh, these are all the things that happened in the first part of the year. Uh, Party Poker's license has been extended out in Nevada. Uh, the Connecticut online gambling bill is now signed into law. And now the first thing that they talked about lining up for the second half of 2021 was the end of the Wire Act case. And they said that's going to lead to the shared liquidity. So they've been talking about this online there for about three weeks. And, uh, you know, this stuff is already in the works. There's already been discussion. Um, there's an online poker room slated to go online in West Virginia after this news today. Um, you know, there's re really big companies that, that are really already trying to work out the kinks in this uh, whole setup. Well, that, that, that leads us to a lot of excitement, Dave. And, yeah. and like yeah. I said, I, this is one of those times when you say, I really hope I'm very, very, very wrong on this and that you're 100% correct. Because the quicker this gets up, you know, on a personal basis and selfish basis, I'd love to see that happen. And uh, obviously, so would so many poker players around this country. I mean, you know, it, it's been way too damn long for us to get to that point. So uh, this is great. It is great news. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's look at our current situation here in Florida. Obviously, you know, the compact agreed between the governor and the, the Seminole tribe. Uh, they are moving forward, waiting for you mentioned that you had heard that the Department of the Interior in, has not even received the request to approve the compact here in Florida. Right. As of last Monday, I don't know if it's changed in the last eight days, but I was you know, told by very reliable sources that they had not received it, had not reached whosoever desk it's got to reach it, the DOI um, uh, for the compact here. And once they do have it, they have 45 days to act on it. Um, I believe we spoke off air. You said that Connecticut had something similar, and they approved it immediately. Yeah, like um, yesterday that came out. Right. And I'm not expecting any delays, you know, as far as that's concerned. But until it is approved by them, nothing can go forward here in the state of Florida as far as our compact is concerned. Right. Uh, I was just looking at some of the reaction, and I wanted to talk about some of that. Uh, one of the big things that's been out in the news a couple of weeks ago was that the city of Doral uh, started worrying about all this talk, talk about uh, bringing it to the Trump uh, property in Doral, um, you know, moving one of the casinos there and having online, uh, not online, but uh, brick and mortar casino and poker uh, in the Doral area. And they actually, the city of Doral actually went out 
and uh, filed a bill to ban casinos in Doral. So that's that's the first to fight against them right now. Uh, they weren't restricted because they're about 18 miles from the Hollywood Casino. And, uh, you know, so they're trying to be uh, proactive and cut this off. The Doral City Council voted four, four to zero to ban gambling in casinos from the city unless improved or, excuse me, approved by the residents of the city in a referendum. So it's not impossible, but, uh, you know, just what's one more legal hurdle in the way? Well, remember, you know, the state of Florida has a law that says any expanded gambling has to be approved by a statewide vote, and it has to be 60%. Now, the the opponents against this compact, um, you know, as far as sports betting, I'll get to the sports betting part of that, um, you know, are fighting that, you know, very hard now. You know, they're starting to file lawsuits against that. Um, there's even talk that the Seminoles um, will not have a walk-up window, let's say, like in Vegas. I haven't been back to Jersey. I know I'm sure you can go into any of the casinos and place a bet like you could in Vegas, but that they want you to have, uh, you know, an online account so that you can bet it through your phone or your computer at home. And the opponents against that are saying, well, no, because, you know, the the... I, can't, I don't know the technical word for for the for the, for the uh, the stuff, but that you know you have to actually go into the casino and and make the bet there. Right. Uh, right. The Seminoles have, you have to, to be on. You have to be on technically tribal on land. property, and they're saying, well, as long as the uh, I don't know what it is, the receiver, whatever it is, you, you forgive my age here for the listeners, but you know, um, and, and so there's the argument that's going to go on. You know, once the the compact is is signed, and then you have lawsuits that are already being filed by people like DraftKings and uh, FanDuel, who want to get a piece of that pie. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know they they've set forth the taxing purposes and the way that it's supposed to work. Dave, uh, I believe we mentioned this maybe on the show a couple of shows ago. You know, but uh, according to the compact. Uh, it's supposed to be a 20% tax for the state on sports gambling and the Seminoles, if it, do, if it is allowed to go to other properties like ours, you know, like Casino Miami and, and all over the state of Florida, uh, they will also charge a 20% tax. And from what I understand, everybody will just send 40% to the Seminoles and they will forward the uh, state money from there. So, you know, uh, gamblers in the state uh, definitely want to see this. Properties that don't have casinos definitely want to see this because it'll definitely make a a big impact as far as their revenue is concerned. But, um, you know, I don't know if you know how much this usually works out to, Dave. You know, in the big casinos, when it comes to sports betting, the the average hold is somewhere between – five and six and a half to seven percent of right. your handle right you know so if if you handle you know for argument's sake a hundred million dollars of of action over the course of the year you know you're expected to show profit somewhere between five and seven million dollars and then you're talking forty percent of that between the state twenty to the state and twenty to the seminoles um goes out and the rest is yours which is 
significant, you know, a lot of income for a lot of properties outside of the uh, outside of the counties of uh, Miami-Dade and Broward. Right. Um, so, you know, and and then again, how are they going to handle the people like FanDuel and and DraftKings and anybody else who wants to get into the game? Yeah. Uh, because as of right now, I believe it's supposed to be just for the paramutuals uh, in the state of Florida, outside right. of Seminoles, as, as far as I understand it in the compact. I don't right. know if you've heard anything different. I haven't, but uh, just to clarify something we were discussing earlier about uh, whether the Department of Interior has even received the request, uh, I'm reading an article that says... Uh, uh, that Brian Newland, who is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the uh, Department of Interior, uh, received a letter from uh, from whoever, I guess, the state of Florida uh, sent the letter. It was dated June the 9th. It just came out yesterday. Uh, people weren't aware of it for a few weeks, but they have 45 days, I guess, from that June 9th date to make a decision. But most of the people expect the, that department to hand down a decision before the end of June. So we're definitely in the works here. Uh, now, the next thing, June 9th, you June mean the 9th, Department yeah. of Interior? Yeah. No, well, it's supposed to be 45 days from the time that they receive it. Yeah, that's well, why that, I was that's, mentioning that's, that earlier. That's when the letter was sent, June 9th. It just came out that uh, you know there, there wasn't a lot of public knowledge of that. But it did came out, come out yesterday that that letter was sent. So uh, that's the uh, date uh, for, for them to, to, to mark 45 days from. Oh, okay. Well, then from that's what I can, from what I can from tell. the information that I got earlier, like yeah, I said. Nobody you know, knew about it. You said last week. So, you know, nobody had really uh, heard anything about it. But, uh, you know, the governor, or the, excuse me, the mayor of Miami Beach has already, uh, you know, Dan Gelber, he has already said that, uh, you know, he wants the department to reject the compact. Uh, the department, uh, if they were to say no, uh, then Florida would have a chance to renegotiate the deal. So, you know, they're basically starting from scratch then again. But the nocasinos.org is standing on go waiting to file their lawsuits after this, uh, this decision by the Interior Department. And, uh, you know, Besides the Miami Beach mayor, the Doral uh, people uh, up in arms, you got the people coming out of Orlando. A big editorial in the Orlando Sentinel just came out urging the uh, rejection of this whole compact. So uh, a lot of fights are on the hands. Uh, as you said, I think, you know, the interior is not a rubber stamp, but I think there's a good chance they will approve it and then things will be moving forward. And then, we, then we're back into the, uh, the legal jeopardy once again. Well, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I don't believe they've ever uh, knocked down any expansion of uh, of you know uh, Indian gaming in any in any um, state that I know of. You know, so I don't expect them to have any issues with this. I think the uh, the people that are against the expanded gambling in the in the state of Florida are, you know. Not, they they know they really can't do a whole lot as far as that's concerned with the uh, with the Seminole tribe. Once that gets approved, they just don't want the expansion for places like you know Casino Miami, Dania, where you're working at, and and the other you know Racinos in the state of uh, in the state of Florida. Yeah, 
in that article from the uh, Orlando Sentinel, it, they're zeroing in on the fact that uh, the deal with the Seminoles would allow sports betting to take place anywhere in the state, which is in direct violation of the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, which says uh, they are set to, uh, you know, regulate on Indian land only. So, uh, you know. Well, yeah, and that's the um, that's probably the biggest part of it as far as that's concerned with the pact is that they're trying to say, as I mentioned earlier, that you've got to gamble on Indian property. You actually have to right. set foot right. on, you know, and that if you gamble, if you set up an account, um, which I'll be honest with you, I don't believe the Seminoles would have an issue with it, uh, Dave. You know, the governor set it up, I believe, so that places like Casino Miami, Calder, Magic City, you know, the the other all the other paramutuals uh, have a chance to profit from this. But the Seminoles wouldn't have a problem, but they're already starting to state the fact that, you know, the uh, servers, what, you know, whatever the technical word is, um, the will be right. on, on Indian property, you know, on, 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 on the Indian land. And that's where they're going to, you know, that's where they're, they're uh, drawing the line in the sand. And obviously the opponents are going to say no, and you know, obviously this is going to be decided by the courts down the road. Yeah, well, that's and, a gray area that's been, uh, you know, debated since, you know, the early 2000s. Uh, you know, that uh, when there's you know online casinos trying to open, that's why they all moved to Costa Rica and uh, other uh, Central American companies for their computers to have the servers there. And that's how they got away with it for a while. Uh, you know, common sense would make you believe that, you know, if a guy makes a bet from his living room on his telephone, that he's making the bet there, not at some server on Indian land. But Right. But I think what the president is going to be set is, uh, you know, New Jersey, Nevada now, ever since, you know, the, that law came into effect that they could do that online, is the fact that, the servers are on legal property, and as long as the person sets up an account, you know, even if it has to be in person, you know, and then the GPS uh, technology, as we already know, you know, for, for online poker, as we've said, we talked about last year how a New Yorker had to drive into a, a Walmart or whatever Target parking lot to win a a poker tournament, uh, as long as they have the the technology approved, and um, you know that you are in the state of Florida, I I honestly don't see how this is going to be challenged on those grounds. Yeah. You know, it depends on how they interpret the law. But as far as that's concerned, you know they've they're already doing this in other states, right? And they're trying to protect you know, that the integrity by making sure that your GPS signal is in, is in the, you know, within the state borders. Well, bottom line is things are moving forward, uh, at least somewhat. Uh, I think things will be in clear, you know, a little bit clearer in July and we'll see what, where we move forward to. But, uh, 
uh, you know, it's I, I kind of uh, am pining for the good old days when uh, people just made decisions on uh, common sense and your handshake was your bond. And and I guess that's a little naive to think that uh, today's world can be anywhere close to that. But, uh, you know, hey, we'll see what happens. And I, you know, Dave, you're dealing with politicians, sir. You're yeah, dealing yeah with politicians. I know. I know. I know. And my I understand. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but my father used to tell me there was a saying in Cuba, you know, when a man stops being a man, he goes, when he becomes a politician. Just call me Pollyanna, you know. There you go. You know, well, I'll tell you what, though, the target date for people in the state of Florida who love to gamble on football and, and other sporting events, uh, if all of this goes through one way or the other, is going to be October 15th. Right. So right. That, right. that's going to be an interesting date uh, one way or the other. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens there for sure. Uh, let's yeah. take a break here on the program. Two big tournaments going on that I want to talk about. Uh, one is the uh, WPT Heads Up Championship, which is uh, taking place online. They are playing the final there. Uh, Patrick Antonius against Phil Ivey. What an interesting matchup of two guys that were so huge 20 years ago in the in the online poker industry. Uh, they are playing in the final. It's a best three out of five match. I know that Ivy won the first of the matches, and they are playing right now. It's being um, streamed on Twitch, and you could go check that out if you want to. Uh, but actually, by the time you listen to the show, it'll probably be over. But, uh, hey, if you pick it up right away, uh, you may be able to catch the end of that match. Also, the WPT is playing their season opener for uh, Season 19, uh, and that is being played in Tampa, at the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. And they are at the final table there. They kicked off today at about noon uh, here on uh, Tuesday. And uh, from what I hear, they're down to two players. So we'll update you on the situations of those two tournaments. And we'll talk about a couple other things here in the match. I also have a very interesting article that I pulled up from the past having to do with uh, ways to speed up a poker room and the dealers to uh, be a little more efficient. So uh, we'll get to that. From an old friend of ours. Absolutely. We'll check that out when when we come back. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line, Big Dave and Joe. You can always pick us up on the Poker Fuse podcast page. Great site, Poker Fuse. Also, the Hold'em Radio Network carries our show on a regular basis. And, of course, the old standbys for any podcast, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, all different places where you can pick up the show on a regular basis. And we hope you do. Uh, rate the show. Uh, you know, give us a, give us a five-star rating, uh, hopefully. Uh, or you can, um, you know, uh, follow us there and get uh, uh, absolutely uh, a free subscription, basically, to get notified when each new show is up. So uh, uh, we hope you'll do or that. email you, you right, Big Dave? You always know, <laughs> email me at uh, lemondave at yahoo.com. Um, I have a couple of people that are sending regular emails, and uh, so I'm answering some of their questions, uh, getting a lot of good information from one or two of them as well. So, uh, you know, you can always drop me a line at lemondave at yahoo.com. Lemon with two M's, Dave at yahoo.com. So we'll be back uh, with more of the show, some other things to move on to uh, when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. 
Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. some of the big tournaments going on. The WPT Heads Up Final, Phil Ivey against Patrick Antonius, is nearly complete. Uh, they've only been playing for less than three hours, and uh, that one's just about over as they're in the third match. Ivy won the first two against Antonius and now has uh, Patrick down to just crumbs in the final uh, game. Uh, the latest hand... Uh, you know, they were pretty even at one time, and then a very big hand came uh, with Antonius opening with ace six of spades, and Phil Ivey had four three. He did call a four three offsuit, and then the uh, tremendous flop of six five deuce, two hearts, uh, <laughs> left Antonius with nothing. Uh, he made a pretty sizable bet. Ivey check raised him, and uh, Antonius called. And then, you know, if to rub salt in the wound, he got uh, he got an ace on the turn. Uh, 
but, you know, still not good enough. Ivy made a big bet. Antonius called. And then the uh, another deuce on the river uh, ended th- things in that hand uh, as Ivy uh, now has 191,000 ships to 8,400 for Antonius. Oh. They're just about done here. So, like the old saying said, the fat lady is uh, warming up <laughs> and ready exactly. to enter the arena. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you haven't been following this thing, some really interesting matches. Uh, not just poker pros, but as I mentioned on the show last week, uh, you know, you got a Japanese pop singer that's in the tournament that plays poker. Uh, you got uh, Jean Robert Balland, the uh, former Survivor contestant, who is uh, a well-known pro. Steve Aoki, the well-known DJ who played in the event. Uh, then we got uh, several other players. Let's see, we got like uh, you know big-name pros like uh, Darren Elias and Lucky Chewy, who opened in his first-round match with Stephen Chidwick, only to lose. Uh, Anthony Zeno was knocked out by Phil Ivey in the second round. And uh, Nick Schulman, the uh, broadcaster, who was also a tremendous poker player, was in this thing as well. So they played on down, and uh, they are now in the final. Uh, Dan a big Smith, buy-in, wasn't it, Dave? Uh, I want to say twenty-five thousand, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. Well, it's uh, nice to hear Phil Ivey's name again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see if I can get that. Uh, buy-in and it doesn't say right here i don't have that normal all right oh it's an invitational tournament so i'm not sure if they if they actually uh, i i know you mentioned it last week big dave i'm sorry to bring that up i thought you might have had that right there in front of you yeah i i have the tournament page up and it doesn't under buy-in it says invitational so i don't know if they were even required to to pay anything who knows well, Seems kind of weird, but they wouldn't be. But uh, anyway, uh, the major finalists uh, down to the final four. Antonius uh, knocked off Dan Smith to get into the final. And uh, Phil Ivey uh, defeated uh, Chris Kruk uh, to reach and, the final. And was this the Dan Smith that uh, many years ago, the article with Jason supporting him? Was he the, the – was that the Dan Smith? I'm trying to remember – Remember there was an article about him backing certain players. Yeah. Was Dan Smith the one that that uh, he was he backing backed? and then all of a sudden had a had a great run? Uh, no, I think you remember. I'm thinking that was uh, either Alan Barry or uh, I forget the other player, but you know that that that's that old story that was in uh, uh, ESPN the magazine. Right. Right, and they were saying, oh, this, that, and the other, and as soon as that article came out, one of those players that he was backing uh, had a great run. Yeah, I know. don't recall right offhand. But, uh, so. but anyway. Now you were mentioning an article of... by our old friend Mike Smith. Yeah, let me, get, let me get to that in just a second because I want to update also the Tampa tournament, which is uh, going on now at uh, the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. And let's see, they're still playing. Brian Altman, who was the chip leader at the end of day three and of day four, is uh, down with head-to-head play against Gabriel Abusada. Uh, let's see, the last chip counts I have, Altman about a three-to-one chip lead, $35 million to uh, about $11 million for Abusada. So that was the, uh, 
the way things ran there in Tampa and a very successful tournament, although the numbers uh, not what they had hoped. There was talk that uh, since as as opposed to the big tournament here in Hollywood, where it was just a single reentry, this was unlimited reentry. So people were wondering, actually, uh, if uh, they might be able to somehow rival that 2,482 players that uh, that played there uh, in Hollywood earlier this year. But the t- final total was only 1,165, which I guess is nothing to sneeze at. But uh, they went into today with nine players left, and Altman had a pretty sizable chip lead with about 11 million chips. Next closest was Jonathan Jaffe with just under 6 million. So that was the final, and Abusada was right in that same uh, $6 million range. So uh, Brian Altman. Yeah, sometimes you have the danger, Dave, of running these tournaments a little too close to each other. And, uh, you know, people deciding they're going to play in one instead of the other. And, you know, the, the multiple buy-ins might scare off, as you've said many, many times before in the past, you know, people who only have one bullet to shoot in these tournaments. Well, they did uh, They did blow by their uh, guarantee, which was a $2 million guarantee. They didn't quite get it on day one, but... I think before even the cards were dealt on day two, they had passed the uh, guarantee. There was like three, 275 players at the tables to start day two, or, or actually day 1B it would be. But uh, they are, the, I don't know, the prize pool is, is up there pretty high right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very successful regardless, but... Uh, 3.728 million is the prize yeah. pool in this tournament. Like you said, nothing to sneeze at, so... Yeah. So they're finishing that up. They're down to head-to-head play, and uh, they should have a champion uh, maybe by the time we finish this show. Uh, Altman, by the way, a few years ago, I was right there when he won a, I think it was the Rock and Roll Poker Open at the Seminole Hard Rock. But maybe five or six years ago, that was his first major tournament. He's a guy out of the Boston area, and uh, he won that tournament there. Since then, has put his name on the WPT Champions Cup again. And uh, is probably one of the top players around, I would say. Uh, it looks pretty good for him to uh, put, put his name on there the third time. Yeah, that would be very nice. Okay, let's get to this other story I want to talk about. Uh, the original article I do not have handy, um, but I read, I was looking through the letters to the editor from Antioch Magazine from about 10 years ago. And I see a letter in there from uh, Mike Smith, our good friend. Uh, who was at the aisle back then, the director of poker operations in Pompano Park. And uh, the article apparently was about ways to speed up the game. And the, the, the story had talked about dealers needing to be efficient, but no shortcuts. It was an article by Chaz Allen. So Mike responded, and I want you to get into this a little bit, what, uh, what he's talking about here. But he said there's a major shortcut that he teaches uh, and that is to leave the bets out in front of the players, then burn, turn, and start the action, bring in the bets, and take the rake all in one smooth motion. Now, tell us a little bit about that procedure. Well, Dave, you know, for someone, and I know that Mike Smith was the person answering that there, and as a as poker room manager, obviously the more hands you get out, the more revenue you generate for the room. But the the, the other side of that coin is, the positive side, it's a two positives on that coin, is that dealers get more hands out. And and what he was answering there is any poker room manager and anybody who has been in this business for a while knows, okay, 
is that really good dealers, Dave, and he was talking about the sense of, you know, betters bet, and if you, you know, have your players playing the right way, they're getting bets out there, okay? So the bets are out there. So if you take the time to drag in the bets, you're losing three, four seconds each time, you know? And uh, and then you put up the burn. So I believe what Mike was saying there and what I've said countless times to so many students, I've trained over 400 people to be dealers, is put the burn, let's say you've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, the flop out there. You start the bets, people bet, you got everybody's bet out there, you, you know, bang the, you know, tap the table, put the burn card out, put the turn out there. And as the turn is out there, a, a good, experienced dealer will tell the small blind, let's say, if they're still in the hand, who's ever first to act, it's your turn. At that same time, with both hands, they're dragging in the pots, you know, the bets from, from whatever players are still left in the hand. And at the same time, you know, I used to teach them, work the math in your head so you don't have to sit there and look at the pot and figure out what you have to rake. You know, I, I, I'm very good with numbers. I've been blessed with that, with that talent, and so are so many other dealers that I've trained in, in my lifetime. So you already know what you're dragging in there. So as they are now starting the bet for the turn, you have brought in the, the, uh, the flop bet, started to rake it, and you haven't slowed the game down one little bit. Think about that. If right. you were to take in those bets prior to putting up the river, it could take you one or two, three seconds, depending on how quick you are, depending on where the bets are, okay? And, Dave, this is one of the big things that I've tried to teach my dealers, and I've explained this to them, okay? And it doesn't seem like a lot of time, correct? You know, I'm yeah, telling you one yeah. or two seconds. So let's assume those, you know, the, the, the flop, the turn, the river takes you nine to ten seconds, okay? And you save that on every single hand. Some people, it may take 12 seconds, okay? And, and you think to yourself, that's not a whole lot of time. Well, really good dealers, as you get better, uh, you know, better at, at, your tr at your craft, okay, you should be getting out without any major issues in a down. You should be getting out 14 to 16, 17 hands a down, which is a half hour. So now you're talking anywhere from 28 to 32 hands, 34 for really fast play people, depending on the size of the pots and the hands. So if you're able to save 9 to 10 seconds, 12 seconds a hand, you're now talking about four to four to you know four minutes, three minutes, um, you know whatever it is, you know, because you're talking about 300 seconds, okay. With, when you when you do the multiplication, 200 and something seconds, three minutes, you might be able to get out an additional two to three hands within an hour, okay? And that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you break that down in a busy room, you right. you might be getting tipped on average three dollars, let's say a hand, and you're getting an extra two to three hands an hour, and on an average down, you know, on an average shift you're getting six hours of table time, Dave. So you're talking anywhere from 36 to, what, $54 extra, extra a day? Extra multiply that times a five-day shift and then multiply that times, times a whole year. 
You well, know, you're looking at anywhere from, yeah. you know, making an extra $10,000, $6,000 a year. I used to have dealers telling me, I work the exact same tables as these guys, and I'm making, you know, that much less money. And I would explain it to them like this. And I said, because they're not making mistakes. We're not even talking about other mistakes. Mike Smith was just talking about the generic part of saving that. And when I used to tell dealers, if when people talk to you, I was very good at keeping a conversation going if I had to, but I never stopped the action. I never stopped shuffling. I never stopped my hands. Well, it's you, more. You, it's, you're right. It's more tip money for the dealer. It's also more money for the room, and uh, you know the players are all happy to have a few more hands an hour. And and think about it. Yes, they're more happy to get more hands an hour. They're not really thinking about it in those terms of the 10 or 15 seconds the house is. But now you want to know where the players are thinking about that? When they're playing time in the bigger bigger state games. All right? When I used to play 30-60 at the Bellagio when I'd go to Vegas, okay, that 30-60 game was a time rake, okay? So when a new dealer would sit down for their half-hour push – Everybody had to put up whatever it was, six, seven, eight dollars, whatever the rate was for that half hour. So everybody paid for that, okay? So now you didn't want a dealer messing up, making a mistake, which obviously now kills one or two hands and that down. For professional poker players, that's, that's a cost to their business, you know, and, and people don't realize that. And... At that point, for the house, it's really not a big difference when you're taking time rake, but now you're pissing off players. Right. So, well, I think, so I think the bottom line is, yes, it could affect your bottom line because these players will go somewhere else to play their game. Right. I think the point of the original article was that, uh, you know, uh, the shortcuts could lead to mistakes by dealers and then it would be uh, counterproductive. But Mike's final line in his uh, little article says – uh, I agree there's a fine line between which shortcuts are acceptable and which aren't, but learning the proper shortcuts is important to the professionalism and profitability of the dealer. So, uh, you know, I think the bottom line is uh, this is one that I think is very important, and you've taught it over the years. Right, and let me explain something to you, Dave. Have you ever been – I mean, I'm sure you've played – in. I know that you mentioned about playing more in tournaments or anything, but when you're playing in cash games – I'll give you an example between an inexperienced dealer and an experienced dealer and then someone that you think has the potential, okay, is when people are all in, okay? If you remember, if you go back to the last time you played a cash game and somebody went all in, a real experienced dealer will announce to the table, this person's in for $12, you know, and if you have multiple all-ins, that's where you really – work out your talent, okay? But let's say you have one person all in. You go, this person's in for $12. There's five people here. So that's, you know, $60 goes into the center pot. The rest is on the outside. You've explained it to the players. So now you don't have to worry about and And inexperienced dealers, I don't recommend this until they get good enough at this. But what they call that is cherry picking, Dave. Right. And they'll say... You teach them to cherry pick $12 from this person, $12 from this person, $12, and then whatever's left goes on the outside. As I'm explaining it to you, you see the difference in in the time that it'll take, okay? But 
again, if it's an inexperienced dealer and they're not confident with their math, then cherry-picking is the only way to go because if you do make a mistake, the time it takes to correct that yeah. will cost you two to three hands yeah. in that down alone. So, so like what Mike Smith is saying, he's talking about the most generic part of people, you know, um, shortcuts. But that's another shortcut right there. If a dealer can explain to the dealers that's twelve dollars times five, sixty goes in. Just bring all the money into the side. Take sixty. Doesn't matter how you take it from the players. Uh, an experienced dealer will just go to, you know, wherever the most chips are from from whoever players are on the table. Take sixty, and it doesn't matter. The rest, you know, is on the outside. You know, on on the side pot. Yeah. So these are okay. little things that you go through, Dave. You know, to save time. And again, I always tell dealers, it's not just for the house. The more, yes, the house makes money, but this is a, a double-edged coin in that sense that you also make more money because you have more opportunities to get tipped. Okay, well, we're running out of time in the show, and uh, you know, I don't want to be say that I had already given the title to Brian Altman, but uh, uh, Gabriel Abusada is staying alive using some, uh, you know, heavy aggressive shoving to uh, pick up some chips here and there. And he said he's up over 18 million now and uh, he feels very relaxed. Uh, 62 big blinds for Abusada. While Brian Altman still holds the lead, he has 93 big blinds, just under 28 million. But they're playing it out for the title here in Tampa. Huge tournament and it kicks off the season for the WPT. As far as the uh, uh, the heads up tournament, which is being played online, WPT, Antonius, and uh, Phil Ivy, they are not quite done yet, but uh, let's see. Really? It is over now. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it is over. I was just going to say, with that amount of chip lead that he had, it's amazing. And it looks like they I got a picture of them together, so they were obviously in the same hotel uh, out there for a big tournament. And uh, the final hand is over as uh, Antonius limped in. Phil Ivy checked. Uh, 8-10 was for Antonius offsuit. Phil Ivey had jack three and then got a jab on the flop. And uh, he folded when Ivey pushed on the, uh, the, the, the turn came out. Uh, the flop was four jack ten and a four on the turn, and then uh, he folded. So uh, he wins the match, ended up winning it by a score of three nothing and has taken the championship. So uh, the emergence of Phil Ivey is something that a lot of people – have been pointing out for a long time, and as he mentioned, he's going to play in the WP, the uh, World Series of Poker this year. So, um, you know, a lot of people think it's a really good thing that he's back in the game. Mm-hmm. I think it is, and uh, you know, it's good good to know that I'm sure he's taking care of whatever legal issues he had. Yeah. Uh, from- well, I'm sure so. after winning this tournament, he'll be doing some interviews and we'll find out a little bit more about his situation. Anyway, we are done for the show today. Uh, some interesting topics. Uh, we'll see what happens with the uh, DOJ uh, deciding not to appeal uh, the uh, Wire Act ruling. And that will uh, lead to some interesting stuff here over the next few months. Uh, of course, uh, the tournaments will go on and in the brick and mortars. And, uh, you know, eventually we'll get back to a time where we might be able to play in our own living rooms uh, for money uh, in just about about every (laughs) state of the union. Anyway, that's going to do it. Thanks you so much, Joe, for your your input to the show as usual. Uh, Joe Costello, thank you so much as well. And we will get back to you with another show next week. Always pick us up on Spotify or SoundCloud, two of the best places to get the show. 
and uh, we will be here hopefully every week. And uh, send me your send me your emails, uh, lemondave at yahoo.com, and we'll try to get some of your questions or answer some of your questions and and uh, maybe talk about some of your input to the show as we move forward. That's going to do it. We'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 